Somebody in here tonight, you need this word. And this is not my word. I've had people say, we're excited to hear you preach tonight. You know what? I appreciate that. This isn't my word. This is the word of the Lord tonight, and I believe God's going to speak to somebody and turn somebody's life around. Come on, one more time. Can we give the Lord some praise? Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. Don't give him a patty cake. Don't give him a golf clap. Give him the best you got. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight, man. I am so excited. It's always an honor every time I have the privilege of standing behind this pulpit. And I'm honored tonight. And I do want to say thank you to Pastor JC for every time that he trusts me with this microphone and with this pulpit. Because this is a sacred place. It's a sacred word. And so I'm honored. I'm excited tonight to be able to share this message with you. I want to share a, a, a word tonight that the Lord spoke to me a, a couple of weeks ago, actually before Pastor JC even asked me to preach. And I want to share with you a message simply titled, The Waiting Season. The Waiting Season. How, how many of you tonight, I, 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 how, how many of you know what the worst word in the English language is? You don't have to say it, but how, how many of you think you know what the worst word in the English language is? And, and I'm, it's, not a four, or it's not a curse word, but it is a four-letter word. It's the word wait. The word wait, at least to me, the worst word in the English language is wait. Now, some of y'all, y'all like, yeah, I agree, Pastor Trey. W-E-I-G-H-T, wait. That is the worst word in the English language. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about W-A-I-T, wait. I hate that word. I'll be honest. I, can I just have a little therapy session for just a moment here? Can, can I just be honest with you? I'm an impatient person, and Monty says amen over here. Y'all, y'all, I, I, I hate waiting. I, I don't like it. Man, today, twice I had to wait, and it was so frustrating. I, I, over there at Chick-fil-A at Thomas Crossroads, you can't go straight across the road anymore. You got to turn and go all the way around, and guess what? I got to sit there and wait for every car in Noonan to go by before I can get out on the road. I was frustrated, and the Lord reminded me, he said, hey, you're preaching on this tonight. Yes, sir, I am. Then I go to get coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. And how many of you know, when you go to get coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, it's going to take forever. They didn't even have my order right. Man, y'all, I was frustrated. And the Lord said, you're preaching on this tonight. Yes, sir, I am. Y'all, I, 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 I'm impatient. You know, Galatians chapter 5 tells us that the fruits of the, what the fruits of the Spirit are. And, and, and it says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes I feel like my, my fruit tree looks more like a telephone pole. There ain't a whole lot of branches and a whole lot of fruit coming off of it, at least when it comes to patience. And the place that it really gets me, and some of y'all heard, have heard me share this before, but if you're new here, you're going to hear it tonight. The thing that really gets me is in traffic. Anybody else feel me tonight? Get frustrated. Man, I can't stand driving to Atlanta. You go to Atlanta, you can't get anywhere quickly. I like to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. I'm a fast driver. And I want to get there, but i got to wait. And you know, one of the worst places is in the afternoon driving from Sharpsburg, Georgia to noon. And nobody drive from Sharpsburg to noon in the afternoon. You can forget about it. Man, that five-mile drive will take you 45 minutes. And let me say this. I just I, This is therapy for me, okay? Y'all, y'all just bear with me. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins to one another, that we will be healed. And so I'm looking for a miracle tonight, okay? 
Well, I, I, I just got to say this, okay? If you're that person that gets in the left-hand lane and drives 45 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone, you deserve a throat punch at 80 miles an hour, okay? Let me just say, okay? I love you, but you're making me angry, okay? We hate waiting, right? Uh, we're, we're, we're impatient people. We don't like to wait, and here's why. Because we live in a culture that has gotten so used to having everything so quickly that we have literally been conditioned to be limited in our patience. We, we, we th everybody has one of these smartphones. You got all the information in the world right at your fingertips. But how many of you know it's frustrating when the Wi-Fi is slow, right? Uh, yeah, anybody in here remember dial-up? Anybody remember dial-up internet? Man, when people come in here on Sunday morning, and y'all y'all been trying to get on the guest Wi-Fi, and it don't ever work on a Sunday. We, we did that on purpose. We're just trying to mess with you a little bit. But, but we, we, if you've been around long enough, you remember dial-up. And some of the younger people in here tonight, I'm going to educate you. Dial-up was this thing. It was how you got the internet. And it wasn't no, there was no Wi-Fi or anything like that. You actually had to unplug your phone. Yes, this is when you had to plug phones in. You had to unplug your phone, then plug your computer in to the wall, and then you had this little disc that you'd play, and this disc would go, anybody remember what I'm talking about? And it'd take about 10 minutes to get your internet up, and then it'd take about 10 minutes to open a web page and open your email and do all that kind of stuff. We're impatient people, right? We want it now. Do you know what I found so often? That the best things in life are always worth waiting for. You know something else I've found to be true? That time is the greatest test of our willingness to allow God to work in our lives. Time is the greatest test of our willingness to allow God to do what he wants to do. Because it means it's out of our hands. It means that we got to be willing to just sit there for a moment and just trust God. Maybe some of you in this place tonight find yourself in a waiting season. Maybe you find yourself in a place where God has given you a promise but you, and, and you've been holding on and, and maybe you're at a point tonight that you're just weary and you're impatient and you just feel like giving up. Maybe tonight you feel like just throwing in the towel. Can I encourage you tonight? Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this. It says, don't become weary in doing well. For in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Can I tell somebody tonight, don't give up. Don't let go. Whatever it is that God has spoken to you, whatever it is, the promise that you're holding on to, God will do it in your life if you don't give up. Can somebody give God praise tonight? Hold on. You're in the waiting season, but God's working. You're in the waiting season, but God is working. Can I pray for you tonight? I want to pray for you. Would you pray for me as well? Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. God, to come and to worship you, Lord, to lift high the name of Jesus. And God, I ask this tonight, Lord, that as I preach this word, that it would go forth in power to save, to heal, and to set free. God, I pray tonight that you would minister to your people. And God, I pray that tonight would be a transformational moment in their life, God. And for all that you do, we'll give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. In the book of Genesis, this is where I want to sit tonight. In the book of Genesis, we see the story of a man by the name of Abram, later called Abraham. 
And I'm going to talk about Abraham tonight. You know, his story begins in Genesis chapter 12 where the Lord calls him to take his family and to leave their home and to move to a land that the Lord was going to show them. That sounds crazy, right? I don't know about you, but I'm not packing up my family and just going somewhere and driving until the Lord says stop. But he did this. God said, leave your home, take your family, go. And he made this promise to him, I will show you where I'm going to take you. And then beyond that, God doesn't stop there. God makes this promise to him saying, I am going to bless you, and not only you, but I'm going to bless your descendants, and I will make a great nation out of you. Here's the crazy part. God's promising him descendants, and he's 75 years old. Beyond that, not only is he 75 years old, but he don't have any kids. He's an old man. He's old as dirt. There ain't no way. All you who are 75, don't get angry at me. I love you. But he was, he, was, he was beyond childbearing years. He was beyond he and his wife, Sarah, and they had no son. Yet God had given them this promise. Now we fast forward 10 years down the road and we find them here in Genesis chapter 15. And the Lord has made this promise to Abraham that he was going to bless him and bless his descendants. But the problem was that he was now 85 years old, yet he still didn't have a son. The clock was ticking. He and his wife Sarah were beyond their childbearing years, yet here he was holding on to a 10-year-old promise. He hadn't heard the voice of God in so long. He hadn't heard God remind him of this promise in so long. And then the Lord speaks again. We go to Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. It says this, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, he said, oh sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I want to give you three things tonight. Three things to do while you're in the waiting season. Three things to do while you are in the waiting season. Number one tonight is this. you got to choose the right perspective. When you're in the waiting season, you got to choose the right perspective. See, God had already made this promise to Abraham. And Abraham was good with the promise. But now he had waited a long time and nothing had happened. I'm sure he was probably getting a little bit restless. I'm sure he might have even been getting a little bit tired and a little bit weary. And then the Lord comes along in the middle of Abraham's planning session. This planning session to make Eliezer his heir. And God says, no. I know it's been a while since you've heard my voice, but my promise still stands for you. I'm still going to give you a son. He had waited and waited, and now God was doubling down on the promise. And I want you to look at how Abraham responded in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. It says this, And Abram believed. 
Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. You see, in this moment, right here, God's come back 10 years later saying, I'm still going to give you a son. And Abram, no questions asked, believed the Lord. See, in this moment, Abraham chose his perspective. And by choosing this perspective, he chose a posture of faith. See, I don't know about you, but I probably would have chosen frustration. I and myself, in, in Trey, I, I probably would have chosen frustration. I probably would have started fussing at God, right? Come on, God. Man, you made me this promise 10 years ago, and now here you are, come and saying it again, and I ain't seen nothing happen yet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I ain't seen nothing happen yet, God, and we whine and cry. That's what I'd be doing. Frustrated, angry, not understanding. God, I'm tired of waiting. Tired of sitting here. See, a lot of us would have chosen a perspective of frustration instead of faith. And you know what would happen? We'd miss out on the promise. We'd miss out on what God was trying to do. What have we missed out in our, missed out on in our life? What promises have we missed out on? Because our, pers- our perspective was wrong. Because we had a perspective of frustration and we couldn't get out of it. We missed the thing that God was trying to do because we were looking in the wrong direction and God's bringing it by over here. But because we're angry, we're looking over here and we don't even see it when it comes by. We weren't ready for it. See, I found that often our biggest issue when it comes to waiting is that we have an expectation for things to happen right now. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want God to show up right then. God, I need you to heal me. Do it right now. Now. Now, anytime, Lord. When we're praying, we we have this expectation for God to show up on our timeline. We want it now. We've been praying or holding on to something that we believe the Lord has promised us. But when it doesn't happen on our timetable, we get a bad attitude and want to walk away. But you know what? This is the wrong perspective. How many of you know God doesn't always work on our time? Maybe I'm the only one, but God has never worked on my time. He's never worked when I wanted him to. He never showed up when I, when I said, God, I want you to do this right now. I can't think of a time in my life when God showed up right when I wanted him to. But I can tell you tonight, God always showed up right when I needed him to. God always showed up right on time, in his time, and it was right what I needed at the right time. Man, I, I remember years ago, early in our ministry, Monty and I were serving at a church, and we went to this church with high hopes and high expectations, and, you know, we were excited, but I'll be honest with you, it was hard. It was a tough place to work. It was a tough place to serve, and I was, I was blessed. We, my, my dream had always been to work with my dad. My dad's a pastor, and I always had this dream of working with my dad in ministry, and we had been serving in Alabama, and we got a phone call one day from my dad, and he said, son, we, I need a youth pastor, and I want to hire you. Man, it was a dream come true. I had this opportunity to work for my dad, and so Monty and I, we, we prayed about it as we were packing our bags. I said, you pray, I'll pack. We'll go. So we go, and we end up at this place, and it's a great church, but it was a struggle. It was tough. It's a hard place to do ministry. We found ourselves here, and about a year into us serving there, my dad comes in and he says, Son, I got some news for you. I'm leaving. Your mom and I are moving to Denver, Colorado. My Lord, are you serious? 
Not just down the road. We're moving to Denver, Colorado. The Lord had called them to go out there to do ministry in Colorado. And so we found ourselves in this place where Monty and I, we were already frustrated where we were. And now my parents were leaving. And we were like, you know what? We're done here. We're done. We're getting out of here. We don't like it. We're frustrated. Let's go. We're packing up. Man, I, I'm, looking, I'm putting resumes out at other churches. In fact, I had a large church up in Tennessee that was actually interviewing us at the time. And Monty and I, we were just waiting on them to offer. We were ready to take it. We were ready to go. So before all this happens, we, or in the middle of all of this, we're, we take our, some of our students to youth camp, and it's a two-hour drive over there. We go to camp. We're there for the week, and man, all week long, Monty and I are talking about it, and we're praying, and we're asking the Lord, God, just, God, just open the door. God, do something, do something for us. God, we're ready to go. We know this is our time. Yes, Lord, we receive it. Last night of the, the camp, we're standing there, Monty and I are praying together, in the altar, we're not even praying for kids. We're just praying with ourselves, just the two of us. And the camp evangelist comes over that night, and, and he walks over to us, and he says, Trey and Monty, I know I, I don't know you real well. He said, but I feel like the Lord has given me a word for you. He said, the Lord said this. He said, you've been in a desert season. You've been in a, a, a dry season. You've been in an isolated season. And he said, you're frustrated, you're tired, and you're ready to go. He said, you're ready to pack up your tent and leave. He said, but the Spirit of God says this to you tonight. He says, sometimes when the wind get high, gets high, we want to pack up our tent and leave. He said, but sometimes it just means we need to drive our tent stakes deeper. And he said, the Lord says to you tonight that if you will be faithful and if you will stay where you are and not jump ahead of me, he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do something great in your ministry and it's going to absolutely blow your mind, but it will only happen if you'll be faithful and stay where you are. And you know what my perspective was? I was angry. You know what Monty's perspective was? She was angry. We drove that two hours home fussing the whole time. Fussing at God. Fussing, I can't believe you do this, Lord. I can't believe this. Man, the next day or the couple days later, I had a, I had a Skype interview with this church up in Knoxville, and I was going to take it. I was like, God, I don't care what you say. I'm going to Tennessee. And I got on that interview, and as soon as I pulled it up, the, the Lord spoke to me and said, say no. Say no. I pulled that interview up, and as soon as I pulled it up, I said, gentlemen, let me stop you. I have to say no to this. I don't even know if you're going to offer me or not, but i got to say no to this. In that moment, the Lord began to turn my perspective around. The Lord said, I'm going to do something in you, and I made a decision in that moment. I said, God, I'm not going to be frustrated anymore. God, I'm going to start trusting you because I know you've got something better in store for me. And so, God, we don't like it, but we're going to stay here, and we're going to do what you sent us here to do. Can I tell you, it didn't get any better. It was still tough. We had a new pastor come in, and let me tell you, that guy was hard to work for. He was tough. He was mean. He did things that were not ethical. I did not like working for that guy. It was tough. It was hard. But you know what? The Lord spoke to me, and he said, Trey, I'm about to show my power in your life. I'm about to show myself in the middle of this desert season. If you'll trust me and stay firm, I'm going to show myself to you. Can I tell you this? The next month, we had 40 kids give their heart and life to Christ in our student ministry. Over the next two months, our student ministry doubled in size. All of a sudden, it was exploding and, and blowing up, and I didn't, I didn't even know what to do. And the Lord said, see, I told you I can take care of you even in the waiting seasons. Fast forward the next year, the next summer, Monty and I find ourselves at that, that exact same camp. 
We're over there. I'm praying in the same spot where the word was spoken to me the year before. The camp evangelist walks over to me, puts the microphone behind his back, and he says, Trey, I got a word from the Lord for you. And the Lord says this, because you waited and because you had a perspective of faith, Trey, I am now going to bless you with a bigger platform than you've ever had before. Guess what happened? Just a couple weeks later, I got a phone call from Alan Matura here at South Metro, and he said, Trey, I want to hire you to be my youth pastor. Here I am six years later preaching on this stage because we chose a perspective of faith. See, I wasn't expect I was expecting change right then, but I had to wait. I had to endure, and the wait was worth it. See, the waiting season was actually just a waiting seasoning. You get it? Like salt and pepper. It was just a seasoning. See, sometimes God is just using the time that we're waiting to season us and prepare us for what is to come. But can I tell you this tonight? God won't season what we won't surrender. God won't season what we won't surrender. If we are unwilling to surrender our perspective and our frustration to his will and his purpose, God can't season us and prepare us for where he's taking us. See, in order to make it through the waiting season, we've got to choose to shift our perspective from frustrated impatience to faithful endurance. And this starts with surrendering our will to His. So we've got to choose a perspective, choose the right perspective. The second thought tonight is this. Not only do we have to choose the right perspective, but we've got to prepare for the blessing. You know, i found that everyone waits one of two ways. Everyone waits one of two ways. They either wait... Passively, or they wait actively. See, passive waiting says this. It says, I'm hoping for something good, and I'm just going to sit around and wait until it happens. But active waiting says, I'm waiting with anticipation, and I'm staying busy until it happens. You know, a lot of people are guilty of passively waiting when it comes to the things of God. You know, we pray and we ask the Lord to do something and maybe the Lord has made a promise somewhere along the way, but because we haven't seen it yet, we decide to just sit down and wait and see if it happens. Let me tell you something tonight. God doesn't bless lazy. You hear me? God doesn't bless lazy. If you want to see the promise of God, you better be active. You better be doing something. You better, be, better learn to be faithful where you are. Some of you, you're, you're praying for a better job, but you can't even be faithful to the one that you have. You can't even faithfully show up. Uh, some, somebody in here, maybe tonight you're praying for a spouse, but you can't even be faithful in your relationship to Jesus. You can't be faithful where you are. So what makes you think God's going to show up and do something in your life? Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he said, if you will be faithful with a little, I will make you ruler over much. If we can't be faithful in the small areas of our life, the areas in the waiting season, how can we expect God to bless us with more? Can I tell you tonight, don't sit down. Don't, don't, don't quit. Don't, don't just sit there and wait. Be faithful where you are until the promise shows up. Be active. But let me say this. Be active, but don't be so active that you get ahead of God. Don't be so active that you jump ahead of God. This is, uh, this is what we see happen here in, in Genesis chapter 16. 
It says this, now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have a child through her. And Abram agreed to Sarah's proposal. This is an agreeable guy, isn't he? He doesn't argue about anything. He just does it when somebody says it. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. Here's the deal. Abraham knew the promise of God. Up to this point, he had been faithful for ten years, but in his weariness, he began listening to the wrong voices. In his weariness, he began listening to his wife, Sarah. God had made the promise to him, not to her. God had made the promise to him. And here she finds herself in a place of impatience. And and she meant well, but she was wrong. And so he began to listen to her voice. Can I tell you tonight, you need to be careful who you're listening to in your seasons of weariness. You need to be careful what voices you're allowing to speak into your life in those moments in the waiting season when you're tired and you've been sitting there a long time. A lot of people mean well, but in your weariness they may convince you to give birth to a counterfeit promise. See, some of us have given birth to counterfeit promises in our lives because we jumped ahead of God. Because we couldn't stay where we were and stay faithful where God had us. We had to push the timeline along and we jumped ahead. See, the thing about about counterfeits is this. They look like the real deal, but they're not. Genesis 16, 15 says this. So Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. Can I tell you this tonight? Ishmael was not the gift. Ishmael was an adulterated version of the gift. Ishmael was not the promise of God. Ishmael was an adulterated version of the promise of God. Yes, it looked good. Yes, he was Abram's son, but he wasn't the promise that God had given him. See, just because it looks good doesn't mean it's God. Just because it looks okay doesn't mean God has ordained it. Can I tell you tonight, maybe it's a relationship that looks good, but it's not God. Maybe it's a job offer that looks good, but it's not God. Can I tell you, a counterfeit is anything in your life that closely resembles the promise of God, but it's not Him. See, if you have to convince yourself that it's the promise, it ain't the promise. If anybody has to convince you that it's the promise, it's not the promise. Don't get ahead of God. Don't cause more pain in the process than is necessary. Trust Him. And when the timing is right, the promise will come. See, you won't have to, when the promise comes, you won't have to convince anybody of anything. You'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this, this right here, this is God. This isn't a counterfeit. This isn't fake. This is the real deal. Let me say this tonight. Maybe some of you are sitting out there and you've already created some Ishmaels. Maybe some of you, you've already created some counterfeits in your life because you were impatient or you were weary. And maybe you're sitting there tonight and you're beating yourself up. Can I encourage you for just a moment? Can I encourage you with this thought? That your impatience in the process does not disqualify you from the promise. Just because you were impatient, just because you got ahead of God, doesn't mean that God has disqualified you. Just because you got ahead of God, doesn't mean that he's given up on you. Just because Abraham messed up, didn't mean that God wasn't still going to bless him. His story wasn't over, and neither is yours. Hang in there, trust him. Why? Because the promise is still available to you.
The promise is still available. So hang in there. Don't give up. Just because you've been impatient doesn't mean that God's disqualified you. The promise is still coming as they come to the music tonight. You got to choose the right perspective. You got to prepare for the blessing. Number three tonight, you got to not waver. Do not waver. In Romans chapter 4, it says this. It's talking about Abraham. The apostle Paul is writing here. And he says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He was 100 years old at this point. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He got weary. He got impatient. But he didn't waver in his faith. And he was strengthened in his faith. And he gave glory to God. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Can I tell you tonight? He did it. He did it. He waited. He waited, he waited, and one day God showed up, and God fulfilled his promise. Genesis 21, 1 through 3 says this, The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened, I love this part, this happened at just the time that God said it would. Not their time, but the time that God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. God did it. Let me tell you, church, he's faithful to keep his word to you exactly as he has promised. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was finally born. He waited for 25 years, a two and a half decade promise that he had been holding on to. Nothing about this situation said the promise would ever come to pass. Yet the Bible says Abram never wavered in his faith. And because he never wavered in his faith, God was faithful in return. Hear me tonight, church. God will always keep His word to His people. God will always keep His word to His people. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold tightly and without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Can I tell you, you don't have to beg Him. You don't have to plead with Him. When His word goes forth in your life, you can take the check to the bank. It won't bounce. He's good for it, and He won't just do it part way. When He makes a promise to His people, He will do it all the way. Because Philippians 1.6 says this, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work. Come on, somebody give God praise tonight. He's faithful. He's faithful to keep his word to you. I, there was a lady that Monty and I knew. I'm going to close with this story. She's an amazing woman of God. She served on our ministry team. At a church that we were serving at, and man, she was one of the best. And this lady's story went something like this. When she was young, she had a boyfriend, she got pregnant. And on her way to the 
abortion clinic. The Lord gripped her heart. And he saved her. He changed her life after, after this moment, after the, the, this decision. And God saved her, but her husband was not saved. So she found herself in this place where she's trying to live a life of faith and trusting the Lord, but her husband was not a Christian. At this point, according to Scripture, they were unequally yoked. So she found herself in this difficult place. Not only was her husband not saved, but her husband was a drug addict. And because of the drugs, because of the addiction, her husband was, made the marriage really difficult. He made it hard. It was, a, it was a tough marriage for her to be in. But, but, but she, kept, she, she felt like the Lord spoke to her one day and promised her, said, I'm going to save your husband one day. I'm going to save your husband. But you know what? Years went by and things didn't get any better. Years would go by and she would faithfully serve the Lord. She would faithfully go to church. She would faithfully serve in ministry. She would give her whole life to the Lord. But her husband still was not coming to Christ. There would be moments where it would seem like he was about to. And then he'd go right back to his old way of living. And she would, all, this, all this hope would build up. And then she'd feel like it'd get dashed again. But she had a promise. She was holding on to a promise. She couldn't see it yet. Years are going by. Multiple children they've had at this point. His addiction is affecting their children now. And it's, it's tough. It's hard. But she's, she's staying faithful. And you know what? A lot of people in her life, a lot of people that she loved, a lot of people who loved her, a lot of people who meant well, oh, were constantly telling her, you need to leave him. You need to get a divorce. You need to leave him. You're unequally yoked. He's not right for you. He's only going to make things worse. You, you, you've got every right in the world to leave him. And she said, no, there's a promise. I still, I've still got a promise. She kept fighting and fighting. She'd come. She'd sit down with me and Monty and she'd sob. She'd cry. She'd say, I just don't understand. I don't understand. But I still believe. I still believe. And people would say, leave him. And she'd say, no, i got a promise. I'm holding on to the promise. Over 20 years, she prayed for her husband. Over 20 years, she sat there holding on to a promise when everyone in her life was telling her to walk away. For 20 years, she sat there holding on, believing, staying faithful where she was. And you know what happened? One day, the Lord grabbed his heart. One day, he made a decision in a moment that was so unexpected. And he said, God, I give you my life. And right there, the Lord turned his whole life around. Right there in that moment, after 20 years of waiting, the Lord gloriously saved her husband. The Lord moved them away from where they were because God knew that the place he was was not the place that he could grow and he needed to go somewhere else where people didn't know him so God could work in his life. Can I tell you right now, every single Sunday, that man is standing at the doors of that church. Every single Sunday, that man is serving alongside his wife, doing the things that God has called them to do. 20 years of of waiting and God fulfilled the promise would you stand with me tonight he is faithful to keep his word to you I don't know where you are tonight 
I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know if anybody in this place tonight finds themselves in a waiting season. But let me encourage you. Hang in there. Don't give up. It may have been 20 years, but the promise is still on its way. God's not done yet. See, the waiting season is not always understood while you're in the middle of it. But my buddy, Pastor Ben, said this the other day. He said the waiting season is always understood on the back end of the promise. You may not understand why you're facing it right now. You may not understand why you are where you are right now. You may not understand why the promise hasn't come. You don't have to understand it. You just got to be faithful. You don't have to understand what God's doing. God's working. You're right here. You just stay faithful. You just keep doing what God has called you to do. And when you get to the promise, you'll understand why God took you through all of that mess and all of that jump just to bring you where you are. He's faithful. He's faithful. 